this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We like people. You don't have to be embarrassed. Yeah, keep your hand up right there. They'll give you a little card there. God bless you. We like people around here. Bless your life. Bless you. Glad to see you here. All right, if you need a Bible or a seed envelope, raise your hand. I'm going to get to moving. i got another video I need to show you here in just a minute. If you need a seed envelope, raise your hand up real high. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. We're going to receive tithes and offerings now. I'm going to personalize this a little bit. I guess I should say modernize this for us. I'm going to start in verse number 11. Keep your hand up if you need a Bible or a seed envelope. They'll help you. But when the multitude knew it, they followed him and received him. They spoke to him about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who had need of healing. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came to him and said to him. Now, I believe as the day wore on and Jesus is preaching, some of the disciples said, excuse me, Jesus, it's getting late. You've been preaching all day. We've got to do something. And so he goes on to say here, And he said, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provision. For we are in a deserted place. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. What a statement. You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves, two fishes, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Now, this didn't make any sense in the natural. And they did so, and they made them all sit down. Now, to me, right, that's a miracle, because there's 5,000 men, so there's estimated between 15 and 20,000 people, counting women and children. So you got 12 guys who makes that many people sit in groups of 50? That's a miracle. I mean, I was around those teenagers last week, and to get them, 70 of them to do this was, was a task. Can you imagine being in charge of this? So that's the first thing that really took place there. And so, verse 16, Then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke it. Now, this is important that we get this. Jesus takes what they have. And remember, what he's got is is a little happy meal. Got a couple fish and some breads, what he's got. And he takes it, and he's basically saying, Father God, Bless what I have. Bless what I have. And it's important that we ask the Father to bless what we have, okay? Because only when the Father blesses it, does it have the ability to multiply. And look what happens next. And he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so, when you give it, guys... You let God bless it and you give it, but only what you give will multiply, okay? You can ask God to bless what you have over and over and over and over. The way it kicks in and really multiplies is when you give it. And so begin to think about this. When you sow seed, say, Father God, man, I'm I'm giving this in honor of you. I want to honor Father God, I'm asking you to bless my seed, and then when you give it, Just like this, Jesus had expected it to multiply. And not only did it multiply, they took up extra fragments, it says. You know what that means? We serve a more than enough God. Tell you guys, God's not broke. 
The angels don't have holes in their wardrobe. The electric bill in heaven has been paid. We don't serve El Broco or El Chipo. We serve the, the great I am. We serve El Shaddai tonight. So get a hold of this, okay? Bow your head and let's pray. Father God, we just ask you right now to bless all the gifts, the seeds that are being sown tonight. And Father God, as they give them, we thank you. You're the God of increase. And you see what we do and you bless it. And we thank you for that tonight. And your, your blessings are upon all the hands in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just real quick, as our ushers are receiving this, they're going to show a video about uh, our teenagers up there at camp. And I'm telling you guys, it was very refreshing. And I think it applies even to our tithes and offerings tonight. Because many of you's faithful giving, we're able to minister to teenagers all the time, Wednesday nights. And guys, you wouldn't believe some of these stories of teenagers we've got coming. That Their parents don't come. Their parents don't serve God. But yet they come here and they feel loved and accepted. It's because a lot of you guys. Go ahead and show that video real quick, please.
Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you guys, it was refreshing for me just to see the next generation, praise God. And, and your sons and daughters, I'll tell you, are full of the things of heaven right now. You ought to be excited about that so much that next year we believe we're going to have to take two buses. And so begin to pray about that. You know, every time you take one of those big buses like that, it's about four or $5,000 a pop. And so and we're starting to get our faith out there. We've got to get more teenagers up there and into that setting and watch what God will do. All right, let's go to the book of Isaiah 41, and I'm going to try to move. We've got to move. I'm wanting to get somewhere tonight because I sense God wanting to do some things right here among adults. They're hungry for the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 41. Now, we've been talking about the spirit of fear. And remember, fear respects no one. Actually, in 1 John 4, 18, it says, fear is a tormentor. Fear torments. And you know, any of you or myself, anytime fear has dominated us, in it, it'll torment you. But listen, I don't have to be tormented. I don't have to be dominated by fear. I don't have to be controlled by fear. None of that, Okay. But I do have to stand up to it. Now listen to this, what was said in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not. This is the command. God wouldn't have told us to fear not if that was not a possibility. And he said, fear not, for I'm with you. I'm with you. Now someone's got to get a hold of that by faith. God is with us. And he says, be not dismayed. Why? For I am your God. Now that word dismayed there means... To lose courage. So he's telling us don't lose courage. What translation says, don't look around you in terror. Why? For I'm your God. I'm God. I'm bigger than the things that are trying to cause you to lose courage. And get what he says the next few verses, or next few sentences. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, this was a promise. And God said, I'm going to strengthen you, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to uphold you. So there's some things that we really, just for a second, and, and tonight, but to the next few days, let this sink in. Number one, fear not, for I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God, but also the three eyes there. I'm going to help you, I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to uphold you. Now, part of our problems as believers, sometimes it's the words out of our mouth. We start confessing the worst things. I'm always afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. Let's start confessing what God's Word said. If God says, I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to... Let's believe that. So what do we do tomorrow? We get up and say, thank you, Father God, I don't have to fear today. I don't fear nothing because you promised to strengthen me. You promised to help me. You promised to uphold me. Tell that to your kids. God will strengthen you. You don't have to go to school and be intimidated. Now go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. This was one of our main main passages here, guys. Main uh, scripture references at 2 Timothy 1. As you're turning there, guys, anybody can get a hold of this, okay? If you're born again... You are a, are a representative of heaven. This is for you. Actually, Acts 10, 34 says specifically, God has not given us a, a spirit of fear. I'm not, I'm, I'm the wrong one. Acts 10, 34 says God is no respecter of persons. So you know what that means? Whatever God does for this person, he'll do for that person. He'll do that for every one of us. Now, 
biblically, we showed a few weeks ago that God has, has given us his word. Remember uh, Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Also, we found out that God gave us permission, according to uh, Luke 10, 19, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So we've been given things to fight the devil in this with. Now, let's look here in a little deeper tonight. 2 Timothy 1, let's start in verse number 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Now, this was the Apostle Paul talking to the young pastor named Timothy. And he said, I remind you to stir up the gift of God within you. Now, that word stir up means to, to kindle, to make afresh. And Paul is encouraging Timothy here to stir up this gift. I believe the gift he was talking about, it was dormant on the inside of him. It was in there, but it was not in operation. It was not benefiting like he wanted to happen. Now, note something here. Paul said, I remind you, I remind you, stir up that gift within you. So he's telling us here, guys, it's not going to happen automatically. And it's not going to happen by chance. I mean, if you had a, a fire going in your backyard or in a campfire, whose job is it to keep it going? It's ours. You've got to keep poking and doing. That's what he's telling Timothy. He said, listen, buddy, you've got to keep stirring that up. And then he goes on to say, through the laying on of, of my hands. I believe something happens when we lay hands on one another. But you know what? I've got to have that passion to keep that gift stirred up. Now, here's the next question that I begin to ask myself when I saw this verse. What caused this gift that was in Timothy to be dormant? What caused this gift that was not in operation? It was there because he said, you've got to stir that thing back up. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I believe the reason that that gift within Timothy was dormant was because of fear. Now, to help us understand this a little bit more, the New International Version says, I haven't given you a spirit of timidity. To be timid. He hadn't done any of that. Now, the word timid is one of the areas of the words we get our word intimidation from. So, so Paul is telling him, listen, I'm not the one who's given you a spirit that intimidates you. God is not the author of intimidation at all. Now, listen to what some of the words for intimidation mean. To discourage, to suppress, or to threaten you. Now, you don't have to answer this out loud, but how many was something in your life right now causes you to face severe discouragement. A suppression. You know what suppression is? It squeezes you. Is there anything in life that causes you to feel threatened? Listen, God's not the author of that. The devil is the author of that. God said, I give you a spirit of love and power and the soundness of mind. So right here, what he was talking about is this spirit of in intimidation will come to give you a sense of inferiority. In other words, where you can't do the things that God has called you to do, that God has purposed you to do. And whoever you are, guys, this is not a physical weakness. 
This is a spiritual weakness, okay? This is something that tries to come against every one of us. Now, for the rest of the evening, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I want to give you a biblical example of how this looks. Okay? And you'll begin to see in this passage, when the gift of God is stirred up on the inside of you, it's stirred up on the inside of me, I'm going to tell you right now, there is a boldness. There is a, there's a passion. But without uh, uh, that gift stirred up, when intimidation attacks us, you know what happens? We back off. We don't do the things God calls us. It's almost like a turtle. Man, our head just goes back in that shell and we don't want to come out. That's not God's design for us. And I don't care how long we've been serving God. We're not exempt from this. We've got to keep those things that God stirred up. First Kings 17, and we're going to be in First Kings 17, 18, and 19. And I'm going to bounce because I've got about 15 minutes. Verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite. What's a Tishbite? Well, he was from the city of Tishbe. That's all that means. Of the inhabitants of Gilead, he said to Ahab. Now, you may ask, who's Ahab? Ahab was a wicked king, guys. And what Ahab is the one who had a wife named Jezebel. And actually, Ahab was the king, but Jezebel ran everything. Just to set the table for you a little bit. So Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, look at that, years plural, except at my word. Now we understand this through the scriptures that that was over three years. But uh, Ahab and his wife, they worshipped the Baals, the false god of Baal. And they had this sense that Baal is the one that controlled the rain. But right here, Elijah, he's full of boldness, and he basically says, your God doesn't control nothing. My God controls the rain, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so for Elijah, this man of God, this prophet, to to pop back like he did toward Ahab, it shows, man, he's bold. He's full of God. He knows who he is and who God is, okay? Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. So life is going on, okay? They're now in a drought. Verse number, uh, let's start in verse 17. 1 Kings 18, verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, troubler of Israel? He looks at, he looks at Elijah because Elijah said, Listen, buddy, it's not going to rain for years until I speak to it. And so he calls, he calls Elijah the troubler of Israel. And look what Elijah says back to him. And he answered. Man, I'm going to tell you, he cleared the record real quick and he said, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandment of the Lord and you followed the Baals. Now listen guys, when you messed with kings like that in those days, a lot of times they'd kill you. They'd go ahead and cut your head off. And so Elijah, he's not moved a bit. He just fires back and says, really the problem of our nation is you guys. You've allowed it and you've actually encouraged people to serve Baal. So then in verse 19, now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. 
the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Azra who eat at Jezebel's table. So you know what's going on here? Elijah is, is dueling them in a showdown. He said, boys, I want to meet you at Mount Carmel. You bring all those false prophets and let's see what God's going to do. Pick up with me, same chapter, verse 23. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose. One bull for them, the false prophets, and let them cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and I will lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. So guess what's happening here, guys? They're bringing these bulls and they're putting them on the altar. And they're going to say, let's see who's God's real. Let's just see. Verse 24. This is Elijah talking. He said, then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning, even until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they made. So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating Or he is busy, or he is a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. Now, I love this. There's these 450 prophets, and I mean, they're calling out to Baal, doing everything they can. And you see this gift that's on Elijah. He's stirred up with the things of God. So you know what he does? He's he's a spiritual trash talker. He starts talking junk to them. You know why he did that? I tell you guys, the guy was full of the power of God. He, he knew who his God was. And nothing happened. Now this is, is just showing you guys, when that gift is stirred up on the inside of us, you'll have a passion for the things of God. I'm going to tell you, when the devil shows up, you knock his head off, guys. I'm not devil conscious. Every one of us, listen to Hebrews 12, 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Listen, that's the key that we keep our eyes on Jesus. But if the devil ever tries to come in your life and put a roadblock up, we've got to pop him. Keep moving. Keep moving. Now, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight. But I want to read the very next verse. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves, as was the custom, with knives And lances until the blood gushed out on them. These guys were so desperate for this false god to move that they began to cut themselves. I was probably three weeks ago, I was reading that passage. And when I read that, the Lord said, I'm going to tell you right now. Any human being that ever cuts themselves, understand this, that there's an evil spirit behind it. Now when I began to look at that, I thought, "Mm, this is interesting to me, Lord. This is very interesting. When we were at youth camp the other day, Pastor Jimmy asked me, said, Pastor, you need to come over here and pray for this young girl. Pray for her. And so I got over there and I started praying for her. And I'm going to tell you guys, you know, I, I, I sense the devil. Just sense you up. Now listen, guys, when I sense that, that's not toward a human being. 
That's toward that yucky devil in him, okay? Understand this. Anytime the devil manifests himself, you're not dealing with the person. You're not de- you're dealing with that spirit that messes with them. Well, her little shirt pulled up, and when it showed, it pulled up, I saw the marks. Numerous ones. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. I looked, and so, I believe this, guys, you, you can cast the devil out without having to be stupid. I mean, I, I don't have to run around in circles. I don't have to bark like a dog. I can just, just as calm and just like this, say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke, I command you to leave her. And so, I, I'm just throwing this in tonight. I'm telling you guys, I saw something happen in that little girl. Not by me, just the power, I just, in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And I'd tell her, open your eyes and look at me. And she'd look at me, and I could tell, huh? And I'd say, I, I break you, get out in the name of Jesus. Yeah, now, I'm not condemning anybody that's done that. I just want you to understand that if that's you, there's demonic forces behind that. And, and really, at my age, I mean, growing up, I, I didn't see people doing that. But it's crazy in this young society now. It's amazing how many of them are doing it. And if you got children, look at your kids' arms, okay? And if that stuff is on there, man, I'm going to tell you right now, don't put up with that. And if you don't want to know what to do, bring them up here. We'll take authority over that stuff, Okay? I'm just throwing that in because I'll tell you guys, we've we got to quit putting up with that. Who in the name of Jesus? Okay, okay, back to the story. That was for free. Man, that was a good bonus, wasn't it? Hallelujah. Quit putting up with him. Start telling you stories and I get off. Go with me to the same chapter, the verse uh, 33. So now it's Elijah's turn. And he put the wood in order, he cut the bull in pieces, and he laid it on the wood, and he said, Fill four water parts with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. Now, he's just not putting it out. He says, let's just douse it in water. Let's make, I mean, he's mocking him. I mean, this is a guy, he knows who his God is. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, so water. No, no, verse 34, then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet, he came near and he said, now listen, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. You know what he's doing? He's letting them all know, it isn't by my might or power, it's by God. I serve God. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord, God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stone and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now all the people saw it, and they fell on their faces. I bet so. I bet, man, they were all jumping for, for cover. And they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then you know what Elijah does according to the Scriptures? He gets those 450 prophets of Baal and he executes every one of them. He kills them. You know why? Because they have led their nation so far. It's wrong. So what you're seeing, guys, here is a man who's got that gift stirred up. Full of God, full of God, full of God. 
But I've got to show you something. Chapter 19, verse 1. And actually, if I had time, I would read verses 41 through 46. And that's when Elijah told his little servant boy, Go tell Ahab the Arab it's fixing to rain. It hadn't rained in three years. He said, tell him it's going to rain. That's when he sent the little boy back and forth seven times. And there was a cloud the size of his hand came up. And guess what? It rained. It rained. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me more also. If I do not make your life as a life of one of them tomorrow about this time. Do you know what she said? You kill my prophets. You kill them. And tomorrow about this same time, the same thing's going to happen to you. Verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servants there. Now what happens here, this woman named Jezebel, she intimidates the man of God so much that he runs. He takes off. And her purpose was to prevent Elijah from fulfilling the things that God called him to do. He had a gift on the inside of him. But all of a sudden, this spirit of fear jumps out of this lady, and it jumps on Elijah. And it begins to intimidate him where he starts running. And I look, and I'm thinking, wait. I see all this that the man of God has gone and done, and over and over and over. But he wasn't exempt. And you know where he made the problem very first? Is he didn't confront it immediately. And it's the same as me and you. When stuff starts to rot, you confront it in the name of Jesus. Now, if you haven't, it's not too late. But I can't let this thing intimidate me just like what happened here. It terrified him. So look what happens in verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. This was the man of God. And you know what his answer is? I want to die. He's so despondent. He's he's terrified. He's discouraged. And he's even confused. And you know what ultimately happened? He lost his perspective. He lost the very things that God had called him to do. And I look at this and I think, wait a minute. This was the man of God. This was a man who understood his authority. But he didn't confront that spirit of intimidation. So you know what he does for the next 40 days? He runs for his life. Day by day he runs. And I read that and I thought, okay, Lord, what are the things in my life that I run from? Some of us have run from things for years and years and years. It's not going to go away by us wishing. It's not going to go away with the power of positive thinking. I'm going to tell you, when you deal with things in the Spirit, there's only one way it happens. And remember, Matthew 11, 12 says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, the violent take it by force. Something begins to rise up on the inside, and I say, "Uh uh-uh, not no more. I'm only in verse 9, same chapter, verse 9. 
And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, you know better than that. You know better. Rise up. You know who I am. Confront it. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And we'll talk about some more of it next week. But I can sense the Lord saying right here, what are you doing? I've given you power. I've given you, th- I've given you the word. Quit allowing these things to intimidate you. And once again, when the spirit of fear rises, it can look totally different for every one of us. It can be the, the, the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown. In this situation, it was the fear of control. This woman's got me. She's got me. But I believe if, if we don't stay full, don't keep those gifts stirred up. And I think one of the gifts he even talks about is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we got to keep Him active in us. we got to let the power of the Holy Spirit fill us on a daily basis so this doesn't happen. Man, there's two sides to that story. You saw what happens when a man of God flexes and knows who he is in God. He wasn't moved by none of those prophets. He was bold. Let me ask you, have you lost your boldness? Have you lost your boldness? And if you have, it's not too late. Stand up with me tonight. I believe God's wanting to stir stuff up on the inside. And you know what? Every one of us on a daily basis have things that we've we got to battle of fear. That tries to grip us. Remember. And start speaking the word. Start speaking. This is who I am. Woo! I fear thou not. For God is with me. He'll help me. He'll strengthen me. He'll uphold me with the right hand of His righteousness. I thank you, Father God. But it comes, guys. We've got to rise back up. Stir that gift back up. Now listen. I can lay hands on you biblically to stir that gift up, but it's your job to keep it going, guys. Okay? There's nowhere in the Bible it says when the devil shows up, run to the church, call pastor. No, he said you do it. You do it. And guess what? We can stir that gift up in you. We can lay hands on you. But we can't resist that spirit of fear. You're going to have to. We can get in agreement with you. That's Matthew 18. But you're going to have to be the one that stands. You're going to have to stand. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.